Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I just thought today that uh, Mother's Day, you might be all expecting a fairly, you know, focused Mother's Day message. But uh, instead, I'm just going to bring a word that I feel is on the heart of God for us as a family. I really feel that this is um, a message that God is speaking to me about at the moment, but actually to many people across the body. And I think it's a word for us as a family at Numa, but it is a word for the body of Christ in the days that we are living in as well. But before we jump into that, I wanted to just play a little game because it's Mother's Day and I like to have fun. Um, and so I don't know if you've seen on um, Instagram, for those of you who are not on Instagram, I'm sorry, I'll explain what it is. But it's a game, like it's a poll that you can do where you pick this or that. So there's a topic or a subject or something that they're kind of asking for your opinion about. And a lot of the time, it's just a fun thing that I like to do just when I'm scrolling and trying to waste time. But um, because it is a waste of time, really. But I thought we could play a version of that today, um, being Mother's Day, because as you know, when you're in family, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you always think the same about everything. And uh, that's the truth of it. And that's okay, we can celebrate that. But there's a couple of things that I just wanted to do a bit of a poll with you today about. Is that okay? All right, let's see the first one. Um, Very controversial one. Tomato sauce. Put your hand up if you believe that tomato sauce goes in the fridge. Okay, fair few of you. What about those of you who believe it goes in the pantry? Me. Not as many. My fellow tomato sauce tribe. Before you say anything, I know what it says on the bottle. But I don't want cold tomato sauce on my sausage roll. Like seriously. That just ruins it. No judgment though. We're all different. It's okay. Okay, let's look at the next one. Another very important one that we need to get really sorted today. Toilet paper roll. I have very strong feelings about this one, but I promise you I won't judge you. Hands up if you are an over toilet roll paper. Ho ho! People stand for this one. I'm just so impressed. Okay, promise no judgment, but who's an under? Yeah, there's a few of you. (laughs) There's a few of you, I still love you. But I promise if I come to your house and I visit your toilet, I am going to change that toilet roll. I cannot handle it. I can't do my business without that toilet roll being in the right place. All right, but I still love you. I'll help you out. Okay, next one. Pineapple on pizza. Some people get very passionate about this as well. Hands up if you are yes to pineapple on pizza. Oh, look, we're all Aussies in the room. Hands up if you're a no pineapple on pizza. Kai's got two hands up. Well... When you come to my house, I promise I'll put the pineapple away. But I love pineapple on pizza too. It just is amazing. Another one that's controversial. People have very strong feelings about this one. Coriander. 
Hands up if you are a yes to coriander. Okay, look at all the flavoursome people. Adding your herbs. Okay, what about a no to coriander? I am a no. <laughs> Standing to your feet. I know some people in my life who are very passionate about no coriander. And uh, I don't necessarily mind the taste, but it gets in, stuck in between your teeth. That is not a good look. So I say no to coriander. Okay, next one, peanut butter. Hands up my smooth peanut butter people. Okay, you're all the smooth, cool cats. Hands up my crunchy peanut butter people. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think there was more crunchy. I'm not sure. And then our final one, sandwiches. Do you cut them diagonally or horizontally? Hands up for diagonal. Yep, into triangles. You love those little triangles. What about horizontally? Okay, okay. As you can see, there's a lot of difference that we have within this place in the family of God, let alone, you know, in other places that we find ourselves. But uh, there's no judgment here. We're all different for a good reason. Uh, but being a part of a family means that we will encounter differences amongst us. And many times as a mum, I've had to play referee, mediator, counsellor. My kids are awesome, by the way. But uh, it's inevitable. It's something that's just a very natural part of relationships. And uh, we're all learning how to get along when we don't agree. I think it's a big lesson for each of us that we keep on learning all throughout life. And I think it's an important thing for us to understand as the family of God. Just like in our earthly immediate family, we can find that we have things in common and that's all good and that's all fun. And then there are things that are very different, different backgrounds, different experiences, different perspectives, different things that we have come to a conclusion with based on our experiences. But that doesn't mean that we can't be the family of God. Unity is very important when it comes to being the people of God together. You know, in a secular sense, unity could be described as the state of being united or joined as a whole, and is actually very much rallied around the idea that we will all agree on everything, or we have this common ideology that brings us together. And there's something important about us finding people that we can belong to and being a part of that. But I want to be just uh, us to sort of stretch our thinking today outside of this idea because there is more and more division and diversity that we are hearing in people's ideals and their thoughts and their ways of living than ever before that I can remember. So the definition of unity actually needs to reach further than that. It needs to be about more than just having something in common that we all like to do or that we think is the right way to live. Um, in a biblical way, which is always important for us to examine, it says in our text that I'm going to read with you in a moment, there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There is one Lord that we worship, we have one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. In my perspective, spiritual unity is actually something given to us by the Holy Spirit. And it is in a covenant commitment to be, to be together, to be with one another, and that it is also for the glorification and edification of God amongst us. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree 
that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Philippians 2.2 says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. There is the theme of unity talked about a lot in Scripture, this oneness, because we need to know where it comes from. We need to know why we need it. And we need to know as the people of God what to do about it, what to do with the unity that we've been given. The reason that I want to talk about this today is because maybe like me, you have seen this too, but there seems to be a lot in our world today that causes disruption or there are subtle threats, not just to our unity as a human race, but more importantly, our unity in the house of God and the body of Christ. Because the moment that we encounter, none of us are immune to this, whether we are people of God or not, but the moment we encounter an issue with someone or we have an offence or there's a difference that we run into, or maybe we even do have an actual confrontation or there's an attention that we are experiencing with another believer. We can all of a sudden become so focused on that that we actually forget about unity. And that issue becomes bigger and more important to us than actually pursuing unity. I believe that we can actually pursue truth and unity together. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying today. I'm not saying that to avoid hard conversations means that, that you know, that's the way that we do things. I, I don't believe that unity equals avoiding hard conversations. And I'm not saying that we are to stay away from conflict. It's inevitable. Some of those uh, conversations that we have, we need to have that. We need to thrash out some of the things that we run into. And I'm not saying that we never confront unbiblical truth or we don't fight for truth. Fighting for truth, fighting for justice is something that is very important and on the heart of God. But I believe that we need to pursue truth partnered with unity. We can't forget about it. We can't dismiss it. We can't uh, put it aside in the pursuit of truth. They both have to be something that we keep in mind as we move towards one another. And the reason that I say all of this is because I believe, and I believe Scripture says this, that God is actually very serious about unity. So it should matter to us. It should be something that we want to learn more about, that we want to pursue, that we want to find out all the ways that we can promote and we can strengthen and we can partner with unity, no matter what is going on around about us. It's a pattern that we've been given to do family. God knows that as He's created each and every one of us differently, that there's going to be uniqueness amongst us. There's going to be difference. And uh, so, you know, this covenant family that we find ourselves in, this is a pattern for us to live together. And I believe it's the way that God works through His church. He has really strong thoughts and really strong feelings about this that I think we need to feel the weight of today. That until we understand what unity means to God, it won't matter much to us. And as I said before, what matters to God should matter to us as well. So we read in Proverbs some really strong language that there is used here when it comes to talking about unity. 
It starts off in Proverbs 6, talking about in verse 16, that there are six things the Lord hates and seven that are detestable to him. And it goes through and lists a few of those six things. And then it comes to the seventh thing. And it talks about that a person who stirs up conflict in the community, that this is something that God takes very seriously and he does not love. He does not like when his people are in disunity. The ESV version lists it as an actual abomination. It's a disgrace to God. It's something that outrages him, that is something that horrifies him, that we would find ourselves in disunity, the people of God. But then we also read in Psalm 133, Behold and uh, how good and pleasant it is when the brothers and sisters dwell in unity. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Unity brings life. David wrote in that, that this psalm at a time when there was a great national division and discord that they were experiencing. Just after this happened, he wrote this psalm. Because unity is good because it reflects the heart of God. It reflects his purposes. It reflects his intentions. And it is pleasant because life is so much better when we are not in conflict and bickering all the time. Ephesians 2, as Pastor Joe read from today in our communion, says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of God, by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. This scripture is talking about that hostility that we would have had separated from God. But it is also implying that there is this intention of God that when we become one with Him, we're actually becoming one with each other. That we are actually a part of the reconciliation that God has called us to. And we've been given this unity by God. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die so that we would become one with Him and one with each other the family of God, the covenant family of God. So the problem comes when we get in the way. The problem comes when we don't understand how much weight God brings to unity, when we don't intentionally fight to protect it. Unity in the church is supposed to be the place where the richness and the abundance and the goodness of God is seen, not just by us, but by the world. But instead, sometimes what the world sees of us is bickering and comparison and gossiping and slandering one another. And I'm not even just talking about within our own uh, family here, but across the body of Christ. We are called to be one, one body, one faith, one Lord, one God. The problem is that there are some very real threats that are present that come to attack our unity that we must be aware of. You and I today can't be ignorant to this. We can't be ignorant to the influence even of the world that might come. We cannot be dismissive and passive to what God's heart is for unity. If God really cares about it that much, we must seriously take our part in it. And as we do at Numa, 
we like to ask the question, what does the Bible say about that? That at every point that we can, when we have a question or we need guidance or we've got to find out the heart of God, we go to the Word of God. And so I want us to dive into Ephesians in the, in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians because it talks about unity in the body of Christ. And Paul writes this book of Ephesians as he's connecting the theory and the practice for the believers. He's talking about um, ways that we should live our life and then he applies that in this book of Ephesians. So we're going to read from verse 1 and down to verse 6. It says, I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And here it is what I said before. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the picture of unity that Scripture gives to us. And I love that there is application right here as we read this portion of Scripture. But there are a couple of important things that I want you to grasp. I want you to remember today. But I want there to be more than just a remembering of these things. I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will actually stir within you today a desire and a passion and a hunger to see that we would be unified as the people of God, that we would become fighters for unity together. The first thing that I note that I think is so important for us to understand is that God cares about how we treat one another. There is this mention in the first verse that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. They mention humility, gentleness, patience. And we are called, you and I, the people of God, we are called to bear with one another in love. I don't know about you, but I see less and less of this in our culture. I see so many people tearing one another down. I see people quick to set aside and dismiss and reject people because of something that they've said. I see us not seeking to understand one another, but rather instead judging and deciding that we've worked that person out already without even finding out anything else about them. And unfortunately, this kind of thing can begin to creep into the church and be amongst the believers of Jesus. We are supposed to be a reflection of God's light, a reflection of humility and gentleness and patience that God helps us to possess in Him. And, and God's heart is for a broken world to see that as well. You know, we're not perfect, but at least we should be trying to fight for unity that God has given us. One of the things that I find so sad about this culture that we are seeing even our young people growing up in this kind of climate more and more is that there are emerging toxic trends when it comes to doing relationships. I don't know if you've heard of the cancel culture, but it's a big thing on social media and in the internet world. And uh, what I can work out is that it is a form of withdrawing support and group shaming someone after they've said or done something that somebody else doesn't like or agree with. Now, I'm not advocating at all that we have to agree with everything that everybody puts on the internet. 
And again, as I said before, I'm not advocating that we dismiss when there is a need for us to confront or there is a need for us to shine light and truth on something. But I don't agree with us rejecting people because of their opinion. I don't agree with us casting them aside and even causing this critical mass of people to come as an onslaught towards this person and to slander them and to tear them down. Another trend that I see happening is called ghosting. Have you heard of that? It is something that what happens is when we cut off communication with a person with zero warning, zero notice, and zero explanation. It's like you were friends one day and the next day that was like that you never existed to them. And this is a kind of trend that is happening within our culture. Or you would have heard as an Aussie of the tall poppy syndrome, the Aussie way of criticising people who are successful and cutting them down because of their good success. These are toxic behaviours that do not belong in the house of God. We do not do relationships like this. We've got to filter these things through. We've got to be aware of the influences that we are encountering and maybe that some of us have actually even encountered these kind of behaviours done to us. You know, that can affect us. That can, that can hurt us in a way that we might do that in return to others. But do we really see each other? When you walk into this place every single week, do you really look around and see your brothers and sisters in Christ? Those who are also on a journey of learning and loving Jesus and finding out what it looks like to live as a follower of Christ. We believe here at Numa Church that this is a covenant family. That's one of our values, that church is a covenant family. And we don't make that statement lightly. We don't say that because um, we just want to make you feel good about being here. We do want you to feel like you belong. We want you to know this is the house of God and the family of God that you are welcome in. It's not just a fluffy statement that we make. We really, really mean it. And we may not be perfect at it, We're learning how to do covenant relationships every step of the way. And you might even be sitting here and saying, well, I've encountered the opposite and I don't feel like that's the way it is. We're far from it. But I can honestly tell you today that our heart and our intention and our goal is that we would honestly be committed to growing in the reality of what this means to be a covenant family. Does it mean that we all sit around and sing Kumbaya while holding hands? No, that's not reality, is it? We like to celebrate together. We love to worship God together. But we understand that people come with all sorts of experiences and sometimes baggage and stuff that they need help to work through. And so it doesn't always look uh, easy. But the reason this is one of our values is firstly because it's important to God. But secondly, because we know that that is the actual reality when it comes to relationships. And if we don't make a commitment to continue to work towards coming together and being reconciled to one another, if we don't make it a goal to be embracing of one another in a family, that you belong here in this place, then when we find like we hit a hard place in our relationship, there'll be carnage everywhere. And so we know the heart of God is that we would be covenant together. As a parent, it would break my heart if I saw my kids allow their differences to divide them and to see them treat each other differently because of this. 
You know, one of the hardest things I've learned as a parent is to continue to show love to my kids even when they've upset me or disappointed me. It's one of the hardest things I've had to learn as a parent to not ever withhold my love from them just because they've upset me. That's a big thing. We need the Holy Spirit to help us do that. The second reason that I believe that we should become unity fighters and protectors is because we are actually called to a higher priority. We aren't actually better than anybody else, but we have this calling with the empowering of the Holy Spirit to live and respond differently in relationships. You know, newsflash, it's not actually about your agenda or your opinion, or even our better, your better way that you see. I'm willing to hear, I want to listen, I want to learn from you. But at the end of the day, the goal is that we would both be worshipping God and looking to Him for the answers and seeking Him for His will and His agenda. Truth and unity must be our goal together. The higher priority is found, as we've already mentioned a couple of times in this Scripture in chapter 4, verses 4, 5 and 6, where it's talking about the one body, the reminder that we have the one Holy Spirit, the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism, the one God and Father of all. This is what makes us unified. And this is what we're fighting for. This is the reason that you and I would come into this place and we wouldn't be all about our agenda, but we would walk into the house of God and we would lay aside our selfish ambition and our agenda. And we would be here to worship Him and to love one another and to serve one another in this place. This is why we choose to see one another as God does. This is why we choose to be covenant family together. How long do we fight for unity? Well, it talks a little bit later in this scripture about that until we attain to the unity of the faith, until we become like Jesus, until we meet Jesus face to face, this is always going to be something that we are to fight for. As I draw to a close today, I just wanted to share a few things that I think are important in our response. When we hear a word like this, and I haven't got you know, all the answers around what unity looks like. I'm working this out as well as you as we go along. But as we have this heart to be uh, ready to obey what God asks us to together, as we seek Him together, I think there are a number of things that we can make a priority as we move towards unity together as the family of God. And I've got a number of things here and I'm just going to flip the order. So this isn't necessarily in order, but they are important things nonetheless that we should be taking heed of today. The first thing that I want to remind you of in your response to unity is that we would always seek the Holy Spirit. That truth and unity together must be carefully navigated with the Holy Spirit. When you and I get a revelation that there is a person sitting next to me either side who God loves, who God called, who God created, who God has an intention and a purpose for, that all of a sudden we find that we have this sense of understanding that this person is precious to God. And so any kind of interaction that we have together, that I would be ready to seek the Holy Spirit about what that is to look like. Don't you dare confront someone in truth without praying for them first. 
You've got to go to the Father. You've got to understand what it is that the heart of God is for that relationship and that situation. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, for discernment, for insight, for all of those things that we need help with. You've got to ask for the Holy Spirit to come before you do anything else. The current problems that arise in the church, the global body, are not problems necessarily only of theology and practice and all those important things that we should talk about and we should make room for. But I think the higher priority for God is this priority of unity that we need to be aware of. We need the Holy Spirit to see God and we need the Holy Spirit to see each other. And you don't know what that person's going through. You don't know the work of God that is currently taking place within their life. And so can I encourage you and urge you to always, in any relationship that you find that there is a division or a diversity or something, they rub you the wrong way, go and seek the Holy Spirit and let Him guide you in that relationship. The second thing I want you to remember today in your response to unity is an obvious one, but it needs to be said. Love others as Christ loves them. You and I need a constant reminder of the God view of others, as I just said before. Our primary command towards the family of God is not actually to come into this place and have our list of critique, our list of offences that we need to talk to someone about. Yes, we do need to do that when it's appropriate. But let your first priority be to maintain and strengthen unity, to surrender to the will of God in your life, to seek the Word of God for your life and to love that person as God loves them. You know, it says in Romans 13 that we owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. We need to ask God for help. You know, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I don't feel like it. So we have the Holy Spirit to help us to increase our love for one another. And our witness to the world is influenced by the unity that we display. Worshiping worshiping alongside each other matters. You know, when we come into the house of God and we are lifting our hands in worship to God, we're fixing our eyes upon Him, the author and perfecter of our faith. We are lifting Him up. We're declaring that He is the Lord of our lives. And then there are brothers and sisters alongside us doing exactly the same thing. This helps us to soften our heart towards them. God speaks in those moments. He helps us to love each other. The third thing I want you to remember is to humble yourself. And when we have a view of God's view of others, that we would also understand God's view of us and that uh, we aren't any better than anybody else, but that we, we do have something that God may be even doing within our lives that we can help somebody else with, that we can serve somebody else with. What if we made it our goal to be humble? What if every day we said, humble me, God. Help me to walk in humility. Help me to walk in patience. Help me to walk in a way that reflects your heart. You know, when we humble ourselves before the Lord in worship to Him, We receive the gifts of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit get manifested in our lives. And just as the band come, the final thing I want to share with you about our response to unity is actually the thing that I think is the most important thing. That we would start with worship. When you encounter a conflict or a difference or you are feeling like that person is not 
a person I love to hang around with, but they're a part of the family of God, can I encourage you to get a good view of who God is? When we have the priority of worship in our lives, when I have come to God and I have cried out to Him in any situation, any question that I've had, any issue, any problem, any decision, any dream, any hope that if I first posture myself before the Lord and I worship Him, that everything else seems to find its place. You know, my problems may not go away in that moment, but when I look at God, when I really gaze upon Him, when I really allow the presence of God to fill me and consume me, when I get to the place where I say, God, nothing else matters right now except You. I wanna worship You, I wanna honour You, I wanna declare Your goodness. You are faithful, You are true, You are good, You are kind. Oh God, I love You today. When I begin to get into that place, then He begins to show me how to live. I love that old hymn. I think they got it right. When they said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Look full, the fullness of Jesus. Look right into His face. Let nothing distract you. Look right into the eyes of Jesus. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You see, when we worship Him, when we put Jesus on the throne of our situation, of our relationships, of our goals, of our desires, of everything that we want to achieve, He is glorified. He is honoured. His will is done within our lives and through our lives. Worship not only fixes our gaze upon a perfect, gracious, loving God, but it unites us to one another. God has this beautiful way of knitting our hearts to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And wouldn't it be amazing if we would come into the house of God or we would be in the streets and in the shopping centres and at our workplace and our conversations with the people of God would be about talking more and more about the goodness of God, about the miraculous of God, about the faithfulness of God, about His grace and His favour and His treasure and about the gift that He is to us instead of about the gossiping and the pickering and the things that we don't love about each other. Worship is the pathway to our unity today. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.